Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to Brandology Podcast. This is your host, David Morrow. I hope everyone's having a great day. In the studio today is my co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you? I'm wonderful as always, David. Are you in a good mood today? Is it a positive day? I'm in a good mood every day. Is that? That's a choice, right? It is a choice. It's a choice. Cool. Good to hear. Um, In the studios today, we've got a celebrated guest, uh, Aaron Stanton. Aaron, welcome, man. Thanks for having me. No, we really appreciate it. So let's just start at the top. Tell us kind of who you are, what you're currently doing, what's your current role? Uh, Yeah. So uh, I have a company called Synergize. Um, Long story short, we kind of uh, matchmake business leaders community leaders and nonprofit leaders with each other, um, not because of what they do professionally, but because of who they are as individuals. So kind of pull back the onion, take the uh, industry, their company, their title, all of those things that most people want to know about each other. And we kind of put that to the wayside. And then we bring the person up to the spotlight, create a legacy profile on them as an individual. And then as we build that friendship and relationship between ourselves and that person we then you know match make and sit people down to build friendships with each other because of who they are and then what they do is just kind of a cool byproduct of of the whole mix um so it's kind of backwards to the way business is oftentimes typically done uh but it works for us well and that's a perfect reason why you should be on this podcast because that's exactly exactly. our (laughs) philosophy so Okay, so can you can you dig down into that just for for our own understanding? Like, um, mm-hmm. what are some of the factors? So you don't care about title, position. You're looking for can they lead, and how do they lead, and do they inspire mm-hmm. others as opposed to micromanage and beat others into submission? Right. Yeah, yeah. So kind of the whole philosophy it kind of come. Over the last several years, it really became real to me. Um, I've always been great at building a lot of really cool friendships. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not ever real f- focused on closing a deal or trying to be the best salesperson to get somebody across the finish line and their money from their pocket into my pocket as quick as I can, which is, you know, typically kind of a big role for sales is, uh, you know, <laughs> right. 
you know, spend your time with people that are paying you money. And then, uh, you know, once you have your clients, you've got them in your funnel, they've moved down. Now you have gotten their money. Now start investing into the relationship so you can keep their money. Well, I feel like um, a lot of times, you know, your next client is going to be that person that often helps you keep up with the life you're living or helps you get a little bit further ahead this year than you were last year. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode you will not want to miss. The legendary leaders of the Wrigley Media Group. Yep, those Wrigleys. David Bertram and David Cottiam join us in a discussion of their legendary Wrigley brand, which dates back to the 1800s. They are truly a poster child for the longevity of a strong and powerful positive brand. They explain how the leadership team of Wrigley Media Group now includes an Emmy Award-winning producer, an Emmy-nominated writer, a former film animator with credits like Spider-Man 3 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a producer who's worked with DreamWorks, Walt Disney Pictures, and HGTV's Fixer Upper. Their group has set its vision on growth and bringing Hollywood to the Midwest namely Lexington, Kentucky. They are surely soon to be a challenger against big names like Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. David and David explain the group is in its 20th year overall and at its helm is Miss D. Wrigley Miller. She's the granddaughter of Philip Wrigley, the longtime owner of the Chicago Cubs and the former CEO of the Wrigley Corporation, owner of Wrigley Field and Wrigley Gum. Come listen, and they are so engaging. The credits that this group has include hit primetime productions on Travel Channel, DIY Network, HGTV, and Food Network. Their team has worked on hit shows including Man Vs. Food, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Expedition Unknown, and more. When we evaluate the epic brand Wrigley Media Group. But I think that the right relationships in your life can actually transform the world or the life that you're living. Um, but it, a lot of times those relationships don't fit the mold of going into your sales pipeline and they don't fit the mold of your target audience. So, and when, you know, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., it's like you go from being who you are to being a representation of the company and industry that you work in. And everyone else kind of does that as well. Um, so kind of like you meet someone at a networking event and the first thing they say is, hey, what do you do? Right. And what you do, what you actually tell them is you tell them your title at your company within what industry it is. And then you return back to what do you do? And they do the same thing. So you're meeting two people and while well, you have the chance to build a personal friendship and get to know each other, one says, what do you do? They talk about their role at their company within their industry. The other person asks that, they do the same thing. And now what has happened, you've just taken that personal relationship piece that could, that could be your best friend five years from now. That could be that person that you and them come together and create the iPhone, right? You just never know what that relationship could turn into if you right. got to know each other. So, uh, so um, as I've been kind of like seeing this and doing this, I, you know, my whole life I've created a lot of awesome friendships, never really tried to close a lot of people. You know, I've had a lot of, you know, when I had my marketing company or while I was working at another role, I, you know, I've closed a lot of deals. Um, you know, I've never had a problem selling whatever it is I'm selling, but my focus has always been build the relationship, 
provide value, make their lives better than it was before I came into it. And it's just like marriage, right? So if a female is ready to get married before the guy, she doesn't get down on a knee and propose and tell him to marry her because she's ready to get married. She spends her time providing value, making his life better, and trying to make him understand and realize his life is better with her in it than it is without her in it. And when he has seen that and realizes that and now knows that, he gets down and asks her the thing that she's wanted all along. And the beautiful thing with that is if she had asked him, will you marry me? And he's like, ah, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> and, and, and they're taught, you know, anytime you ask a guy to marry you and he says no, they doesn't really mean no. There's, you got to ask more questions, learn how to rebuttal it, overcome it. Everyone is closable, right? If that was the philosophy on it, and through this process, he's finally like, fine, yes, we'll get married. Well, next year, she's going to be thinking, is he still wanting to be married? She might have to ask him again, or she might be wondering, is this going to last forever? But when the person asks you, can I do this or be part of this with you, but it's what you want it all along, you're building that foundation that, so like with Synergize, when somebody joins the Synergize family and becomes a client of mine, it's not because I've been asking them to, it's because I've been building that relationship, nurturing that relationship, providing value, and actually operating in Synergize for them. And when they have seen the value and they realize their life and their future and their legacy can be impacted and greater with our friendship than it probably could be without it. They asked me, will you take my money? Can I give you money so I can seal the, can yeah. I put that ring on your finger? And when it happens, I'm essentially, because I took the friendship approach, when transaction happens, I know that they're, they'll probably keep paying for the next 30 years because I wasn't asking for their money. They had convinced themselves because of my actions that they wanted to give it to me. So it does have a lead time to where maybe you're not closing as many deals as quick and maybe you're like me and you spend 12 years broke with a lot but creating a lot of great friendships and then there's times you think about giving up or changing it or maybe i should try to close more deals maybe i should focus this way but at year 12 you know eight months ago i actually launched synergize and i'm eight months in and i have yet to reach out or prospect one person to have a conversation with every conversation i've had every meeting that i've had um has been something that has come to me um because I had put in that 12 year foundation uh, prior to launching it. So I've been my company, I've been me and who I am and what my company does for years and years and years. Eight months ago, we created it as a brand. So a lot of people look at it as kind of like an overnight success. It's not, it's 12 years of struggle and then it became a success, you know, over as the last most, eight months. As with most overnight successes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yep. So really your approach is to show value up front. I mean that's been yep. that's been that's been our approach as well and it and and we can completely relate to that, right? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's when you build the relationship the right way. Right. Because nobody really, wants to be sold anyway. Yeah, you just you organically grow it and grow as as, as humans with that, that right. connection, with that peace. Sure. People want to do business with people that believe what they believe. And that's yeah. kind of what your whole philosophy is. It's very Brene Brown and Simon Sinek and things like that. Like it's right. It's very aligned to that. 
which is yeah, why then, you're perfect on this podcast. That and the re, the the real value that comes is not. <laughs> so the value doesn't come from me building a friendship with them, right? That doesn't really provide value to no, them it's the because value that you give them up front. Exactly, and, and when you do that with more and more people, you know, six years ago. I was providing the value that I could to whoever I could because of the relationships I had. Well, six years later, now the value that I'm able to provide to people is, is much higher, right? So if I, if three years ago I'm introducing, you know, sales managers that are, you know, they have like two chains ahead of them, but they're like um, maybe third on the totem pole with five layers below them. And I'm helping those people build relationships. That's awesome. But if two years later, you know, I'm connecting their CEO to another CEO um, and those guys, um, you know, have got 20 plus years experience of building, growing and running a hundred million to a billion dollar company. Right. They know, you know, they know of each other's companies. They know what the, the companies yeah. do, yeah. but when I come in and I've got that friendship and I get to know who they are as a person and what impact they want to contribute and be part of and what they want their legacy to mean when they're gone. And I know those two people on that level and then I'm friends with the two. And when I bring them together, they're almost go, starting with the rapport and the, starting a friendship on day one. And they know more about each other than they would have ever known about each other had they been, you know, business colleagues or clients over the right. last 20 years, right? So a lot of the questions I ask when I get to know people are going to be questions that they've never been asked before. So when I do that, I'm learning, I'm the only person in the world that knows this about them. So while everyone else knows, looks at them and says, oh yeah, they're doing this and they're impressed by all this stuff. Well, because they're focused they on their realize. degrees. Sure, they're focused on their degrees, their title, their productivity, their sales numbers, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And you're stripping all that away. And you're taking yeah. all that away and you're like, what hobbies do you like? How do you value your family? What kind of culture do you value? How are you going to inspire others? How are you going to get yep. people to believe in what you believe so that they work for you with blood, sweat, and tears and not just for a paycheck? That type it, of thing. You're right? exactly right. And I'm, it's the same people. It's, so I'm going after the same people that top salespeople are going after, right? It's right. the same person. I'm just, right. I'm not trying to sell them crap. Exactly. I'm trying to get to know them. So what happens is, you know, people might look at me and be like, man, Aaron, you're connected with all these amazing people. There's no way I could have done that. I said, yeah, I'm not trying to sell them <laughs> IT or medical devices or anything else, right? Yeah. You're really I just trying like to get to know them. We're in charge with what we get from people, right? Right. It's up to us to ask what we want for. What That's we want. great. And That's if great. you're going around asking people for their business, 95% right. of people you meet, you'll get nothing in return from them because you asked for the wrong thing. Right. And then 5% of the people that you meet, you get exactly what you wanted from them because you asked for it. But if I change what I'm asking from people, and that is their story, I want to I want to hear your journey. I want to I want to learn about what it took. Right. So it's, it's a lot of times we look at the finished product. And if we have not been part of that journey, you can look at it and then you draw your own thought bubbles and ideas to what you think it'll take to get there. The reality is 
we uh, a thousand different people all have a thousand different responses to what it would take to get there because in their mind that's what they think they need to do or what it's going to take to get there but when you get a chance to sit down with one of those people and you don't try to sell them crap because you know they have money and you can get money from them and you right. tell them hey i want to learn what it actually took to get there and they start sharing things with you and those are the conversations you have and then you you know i've sat down with people that are you know the majority of people i hang out with they're way outside of my league when i say outside of my league <laughs> i'm like way farther along in life than me probably when you look at monetary value the majority of them are have achieved and at a monetary position that i'll probably never get to right so and when the outsiders when they look at that and they see it they're like they're impressed by it but what the the truth is when you get that person in yourself down and you get to know each other on a personal level you start to identify other characteristics that are actually truly impressive which yeah. is a lot of their integrity and their heart their passion to focus on impacts that benefit other people that yeah, have absolutely. nothing to do with them and yeah. then when you get when you get a group of those people together and instead of them talking about what they do and trying to get something from each other they come together and they contribute together so when you give or do something for somebody else with somebody you start a bond in a relationship that is so tight and so strong because that relationship was founded on two contributors rather than one giver and one taker right. and when you have right. two contributors doing something together now you start a relationship that down the road they both might receive something from each other but the problem is if that's not how it started you will always spend your time with a circle that is equal or uh, maybe a little better or a little lesser than you right. so i'm 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 always the brokest youngest <laughs> loudest most annoying most energetic guy or guy or girl or anything in all of my circles it's kind of like i'm always out of place it's kind of like you know that ugly dude with the hot wife and they're walking down the street and everyone's like how in the world did he get her well, he was probably her best friend before they got married and maybe exactly. you're taller than her or handsomer or better looking or have more money in the bank and you think that a girl like that should be with you well you should have been friends with her but instead right. you were trying to pick her up from a bar or looking for another bar <laughs> yeah. or you know it's like it's it's all about it's all about the approach and that i mean i've kind of dedicated my life to it and Eight months of my life, I've been able to pay my bills because of it. So, hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about a special feature we have coming up about the rise and the challenges of this technology transportation company that has literally changed the world. It experienced explosive growth, but had constant controversy, making it one of the most fascinating companies to emerge over the past two decades. The firm, which was founded back in 2009, soon grew to become one of the highest valued private startup companies in the world. And yet its leadership, culture, and business practices have all been called into question, and the brand itself has been under seemingly constant attack. Join us as we explore the rise, the challenges of this technology transportation company. We've all used it and the leaders who are now trying to save it today. 
Join us as we discuss the rise and fall of Uber Technologies. Right in the middle of a pandemic, and you know, yeah. how did that affect you? Did you or did you feel the effect? Because, like you said, you've been really working at this for twelve years. That's a great yeah. question. Yeah, the pandemic actually was a as terrible as the pandemic is. It was in it was invaluable for the launch of Synergize. Really? Um, right. Yeah, because it started in January, right? So I'm a few months in when the world turns upside down, and the way that professional and business leaders and all these people operate or the normal it's kind of flipped right so now had i not been who i am for years and created personal friendships between me and people right and i was so focused on the brand synergize and i launched it what would have happened was i would have really struggled because i'm trying to push this new brand out there that no one knows understands doesn't have any type of like awareness or it has no reputation right. because realistically the brand doesn't have a reputation but myself as a person i have a reputation not as a awesome growing business but as somebody that has always been a good friend to business leaders and somebody that has always done a great job at putting people together with the most valuable relationships they've ever met and that relationship not being started because of a sales pitch but being started because of who they are so as the pandemic happened what you did what happened was people that used to love to go out and sling a bunch of business cards and give their sales pitch and shake everyone's hand and become a professional coffee drinker and do all of that <laughs> stuff thinking that that's what it takes to get to where they're wanting to go the market said you can't do that anymore. So right. what do they do? Oh my goodness. I don't so, know what to do. Well, so, oh, go ahead. So why? No, yeah, I guess my question is, you know, why why are you doing this? Like what what is your what is your cause? What is your purpose? Like why are you doing this? Cuz this is a different uh, approach than the way most people function. How come? Uh purpose uh, meaning, what's the, you know, at the end of the day, what, what, you know, so I'll tell you right now, a year ago, if I, if I, you know, if I right now, boom, dead, I've got a wife and two kids. Guess what? I don't have the finances and the money financially to where they're care of the rest of you have. I do have some of the best, closest, tightest relationships and friendships with people that if I died, um, my wife could put my wife, my, my kids college could potentially be paid for because of some of the friends I have. Right. right. And exactly. because that's what I have, you, that relationship equity, a lot of people, you always look at relational equity and, and it, and you know, I can't tell you the number of people I had talked to now, not the top leaders because they all believe the same. But a lot of people that had been in my boat or where I'm at, and it's the, you know, they had a job and they they wanted to develop relationships and have relationship equity. But, you know, my break even for my house payment and this and this and this and this, you know, I've got to at least make $5,000 a month because that's what it takes to pay my bills. And then from there, I can 
And it's like, no, because what's going to happen is you're going to hit your goal because you get what you ask from people and you're going to start hitting 5k a month. And then you're going to see that you can start making 6k a month. Now you want a little bit newer of a car. And now you start making seven or eight K a month. Now you want a bigger house. And then now you start going out tonight. And things you hadn't had before, memberships to this. Mem and what happens is or your minimum that you need to be at continues to increase and increase and increase and increase. And then you're 90 years old and you're looking back and your life made no real impact and provided no real value to the world that everyone's living in because you were constantly consumed with trying to get to that little bit of that next level. Fortunately, I was never raised with money. I never had money. I never had a lot of stuff. I, I never had an expectation of, I need to have at least this or this or this. Um, right. Our first house we bought, our, our house payment, property taxes, homeowners and everything escorted $420 a month, right? So it's like, hey, if I can make $420 a month, you know, my house is paid for, that's it, right? And then, but what I what I had always focused on is, you know, even even when I was young, right? The, the My teachers, principals would have talked to my parents and like, Aaron's not a bad kid. He's He's a very good kid, but, the issue with him is, you know, even in grade school, fourth grade, he, when he comes to school, he just wants to be friends with everyone. He has a, he doesn't like to sit and learn and follow these certain things. He just, he just wants to be everyone's friend. Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think you're talking to two guys that <laughs> were told the exact same thing. Yeah, and yeah, you know, people look much. at it and think, oh, you'd be a great salesperson because of that, or you'd be great at this right. because of that. Everyone's going to tell you, oh, wow, you know, turn your skill set, I mean, your negative, and turn it into a positive. So that by saying that is, you know, all I care about is being friends with people. So it's like, redirect that and actually allow it to do something else. And I'm like, no, I won't. That's who I am. Okay, so, not, let's, that, so let's yeah. do this. Let's, uh, let's mm -hmm. change that friendship dynamic, and let's make yeah. it a little competitive dynamic. So right, we are going go. to do going the. I know we, we are with. we are going to do brand culture trivia, and okay. uh, we're going to play the intro right now. Uh, let's go ahead and do that, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome everyone to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely, the rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want, and the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. What that is, is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless, but we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. Okay, so now, just to familiarize yourself with the rules, I'm going to read you a question and guess as many answers as you can, as fast as you can. 
The first one to guess the right answer wins a point. Okay? okay. The first person to three points wins the game. And oh. Mark, Mark is desperate to win a game because at the end of the game, the pot, the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow is 14,684 Brandology bucks. And those wow. are absolutely oh, yeah. worthless. The next Bitcoin. So, yes, yeah. they, might, they could be the next Bitcoin. And uh, we're going to we're gonna eventually have an e-commerce part of our website where you can get a con, you know convertible rolls, a jag, a bunch of Rolex watches and things that people that like material things are really passionate about. But um, yeah. I just like my view from the world headquarters here at uh, Brandology Studios. So this is all I like. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's my favorite. I have no no idea what country this is supposed to be. Kind of looks like France or England or something. Castle I don't know. in the back. Yeah, I, you know, it's outside of Indianapolis. There's castles. They say the home is where you make it, right? Yes, <laughs> I make my home near castles. Apparently, right yeah. here, right there. Is yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So we're gonna go with question number one. Here's the company slogan. You guys tell me as fast as you can, as many answers as you can, what is the brand or product name? Bet you can't eat just one. Wendy's. Cheetos. Uh, Pringles. Nope. Uh, Doritos. Uh, Bet you can't eat just one. Trail mix. Trail mix. No. Put it on the board. Put the point on the uh, it's not Cheetos or Fritos or Doritos or Pringles. Just one. Oreo. No. All good answers. These are all good answers. Kind of hungry. Man. Bet you can't eat just one. Don't make Late. me shelve it. I'm about to shelve the question. Uh, Pringles. Roughly. All right. I'm going to call it. I'm going to put it back here, right here. Okay in the shelf for next time in the Brandology Studios. The answer to that was Lay's potato chips. Lay's. Uh, Lay's potato chips, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as you know, you see the yellow bag, and now you remember the commercial. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, let's keep going. The best a man can get. The best a man can get. Rolex. Aqua Velva. Nope. Nope. Um, Old Spice. Nope. You guys are getting closer, though. Camel. The best a man can get. Nope, not cigarettes. Um, Polo. X. Nope. X. Nope. Um, Axe is like the best a 14-year-old boy in gym class can get. Oh, so we're talking a man. Okay. This is a man. So best are a we, man can get. So are we talking, are we, are we talking, talking Trojan? Something. No, that's close. That's the oh, best a woman can get. Bake? This is more. Razor? So, yes. This is more. Okay. Razor. Radol. What, what's the name of that? Radol or Rattle yeah. or. No, yeah, close. Uh, Shake? Is it chic? Edge. Close. Edge. Very close. Man, that's about all. Shave. <laughs> I know you got a beard, so <laughs> all right, I'm gonna shelve that one. That one's going on shelf number two. Okay. The answer is Gillette. 
Gillette. Best oh, man yeah. can get, Gillette. Wow. It's okay. It's okay. I'll make these a little bit easier. I'll make these a little bit easier. For me, not for Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I've even heard some of these and I still can't get them right. Like a good neighbor, blank hey, is farmer's there. Okay. Wow. There we go. You got it. All right. Aaron's got one. Mark has zero. All right. Here's I feel like it's one. easier to finish a jingle than it is to pinpoint the brand. That, that is true. Think, that yeah, is yeah. true. Blank gives you wings. Red Bull. Wow, two. It, 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 two? it gives you wings, Red Bull. Yes. <laughs> All right, Mark. Yeah, that one. Really. Well, Mark, Mark, has a, Mark has a delay. Blame the technology. Blame the fork for making you fat. Blame <laughs> the technology for making you lose. There you go. That's what I understand. Okay, so it is two to nothing at this point <laughs> in the game. I point out obvious math. And that is, Mark, if you had 10,000 as many points as you had right now, Aaron would still be beating you. Because 10,000 times zero is still Thank zero. Thank you for the obvious math. That's good. Okay. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, what's in your wallet? Debit card and about $3. Oh Visa? MasterCard? Is it... Uh, what is in your wallet? What's in your wallet? It what's is a in your type wallet? of credit card. Um, American Express. Discover. No. no. Jennifer Gardner is the uh, spokesperson. Diners Club. You, uh, uh, Diners Club. Diners Club? What are you, 90 years old? Who uses <laughs> Diners Club anymore? Oh, Speedway Rewards card. What's in your wallet? Yeah, I've actually got one of those in my wallet. Yes, that. Uh, I, Visa, that I MasterCard, Discover, American Express. So close. Um, so close. Oh, uh, something capital. Uh, yeah, so close. Uh, so close. Something capital. Capital One. Yeah. Yes, he got it. Oh. Three zero. Wait, he I'm just trying to think of what all I have maxed out. Uh, that's <laughs> exactly. On the expecting. <laughs> Because you're every time American? I get a collector that calls me, which one are they saying they're with? Yeah, yeah who, exactly who right. All right, congratulations, man. Well done. Our yeah, accountants, our accountants will be in touch with yours. We will wire transfer those brandology bucks, and uh, you'll have a lot of very, very good gifts. I mean, we have things like this. We've got like the brandology cup. There's a lot of different things you can get. <laughs> I'd rather have a trip to your uh, world headquarters for a week yes. or something. These are quite the, where's my castle? Right That's there. Our, there's yeah, my castle. International studio. Yeah, these are our international studio. Well, it's a long weekend, so I thought I would fly <laughs> over on my Cessna to, right. the, <laughs> to the aisle. So, all right. Hey, that was a good game. And once again, Mark lost because... He, it doesn't matter even uh, if I gave him the answers ahead of time. He still wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't win. So let me mm. ask you this. Now, some of these leaders that you talked to, mm -hmm. let's get back to some of the meat of this. 
And we're, we're going to be wrapping up here. So Mark has a key question that he asked. I have a key question. But what I'm curious is about what is their approach to culture? What is their approach about, you know, work from home? Like, mm -hmm. like what is their view of that and the effect on culture? Yes. So uh, one of the top level partners of Synergize, um, they use, they work in the office every single day and leading up to this. And then they're in the process of moving from downtown to a, you know, a kind of a build out project that's being done in Zionsville. And so they're kind of in that transition phase. So instead of going back to the office, they're working remotely until their uh, new space is done. So sure. they, although it's a lot different, but you know, we were almost forced to use stuff like Zoom and things right. like that. Now they're a tech company, right? So mm -hmm. they're managed services. So they know they're already using a lot of it, but it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily always become a normal until you're almost forced into it. And when you're forced into it, you realize, ah, you know, Maybe it's not what I prefer, but it's still doable. So I think like right now, I think like their sales team and a lot of their management team um, gets on, has a meeting every day, still sees each other, talks to each other. Um, and a lot of different companies, depending on what you focus on, um, the people that I deal with, um, even if they're out, even if they come to the office, a lot of their interaction is still emailing back and forth, even if they're in the same building, right? right? It's, it's emailing true. back and forth. It's picking up the phone and calling their extension and talking. So although you're in a central hub, you're still essentially a remote type worker because you're not sitting in meetings with each other all day long. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that people are making do, I mean, there are some, you know, some businesses that I work with and, uh, some relationships that I have that, you know, we use like a Java house coffee, for example, um, oh, yeah. during, during the peak of all this is going on, limited hours. Uh, they don't have people in the coffee shop. You know, people can call ahead, do curbside pickup and stuff like that. So I'm sure they saw numbers, you know, drop. But, and, and, and that vibe that they had, you know, I would go in there for a meeting or to work on my laptop for a little bit and there's constantly people and you end up, you end up running into 35 people, you know, during one hour of sitting there in a meeting, right? Um, sometimes I can't, I try to have a meeting, I'm having a meeting and, you know, you talk to eight people that walk by and, you know, stop you or say something to you during your meeting. Well, I, th which I think that productivity, guy, so. I think productivity is really improved by working remotely. Because I can go from, I can literally have 10, 15 meetings, literally, in a day. And we're only yeah. focused on what we are, on the content of the meeting. As opposed to, hey, what's going on? Did you hear about the Steelers game? Did you hear about this? What about the Penguins? What about this? What about that? And, and then they're like, hey. So, and, you know, it's just that camaraderie, which, which is still good for culture. It's still mm -hmm. good. Like there's a value to that, but in terms of productivity, I, I you know to think that you are more productive because you have 15 people sitting in cubicles next to each other is antiquated. It's not even the data doesn't even support <laughs> it. Like the data yeah. doesn't support it. Your results don't support it, and it's an antiquated view of social interaction. So I don't know why. People are still trying to believe that that's the way business is actually done other than maybe they're old, honestly. Yeah. And maybe they just don't 
understand the leverage and advances of technology and how it plays into society today. Yeah, I would agree with that about about 90% of that. The Well, we're the, old. Mark and I are yeah. old, but yet we understand the advances of leverages in technology. Yeah. Maybe we're so, the 10%. Yeah, so... No, no, uh, I'm, well, I'm, no, I'm saying like I'm, I'm saying that that's a, I'm saying that that's a hundred percent correct, but I think that there's about ten of ten percent, or maybe it's less than that, maybe it's one percent that that is not would not be accurate with, and that's going to be like people like me, and I think that that factors into personality type and what motivates them and how does it fuel them. So while while ninety nine percent of all people can be more productive and get more work done remotely and not have the other distractions myself i could have 10 hours with no interaction with people in a workload or i could have 10 hours knowing that i'm sitting down with people i'm talking to people and i'm in a social environment with the same workload. Well, look at what you I'm, do though right right but what you're doing for a living is different than what most people are doing what you're doing I mean, is even if it was computer away, work yeah you're yeah. peeling away the task list the action items, you're peeling away all that BS in the corporate structure and you want to get to know the human behind it. There's yeah, no way to do that by yeah. a screen. Like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, there's I'm no saying, way. Right. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I get that. What I'm saying is even if the task list was the same, right? So say, like for example, uh, say I'm working on building out a website. Right. Right. Okay. You put me remotely off by myself or somewhere uh, at home, wherever it is, with no social interaction. I'm not talking to people. I'm not having a coffee with people. I'm not laughing. I'm not having that. And I have all the time to just work on that. Or you put me in a coffee shop for eight hours to work on the same project. My personality type is I am much more excited, energetic, motivated, focused, and productive when I have that social interaction. And again, it goes back to even in grade school. I, I did, I make good grades, right? Now, yeah. check, check this out. If I had done what the teacher wanted, say you put me in a classroom all by myself, there's no social interaction. I can't go to school to become friends with people. I just right. go there to learn. My grades probably would have been worse. My yeah, grades right. probably would have been worse, even yeah. though and the reality is my grades should be better because I've eliminated the distractions. But for like someone like myself, my personality type and how I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, need, that's interesting. That's a good, uh, that's a really good point. And it leads me to, to think um, kind of as we, as we wrap up here, um, when you were a little kid, what did, what did you want to be? When you were a little boy, what did you want to be? Did you think it would be like this? What, what, what did that look like? It is so funny that you say that because uh, maybe four or five months ago, I made a post on LinkedIn and Facebook and it read exactly this. If you would have asked a six-year-old Aaron Stanton, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? A six-year-old Aaron Stanton would have said, I just want to be friends with everybody and hang out with my, and hang out you know, with my I, friends and I had and a help. feeling that you were probably going to answer that way. I really did. I, I, I thought this guy's this is who he is. You, you've been like this forever. Yeah, I would have. I would have said I want to be friends with everyone and help friends be friends and hang out with my friends and just just do that. And realistically, there's 
you know, that's who I've always been. That's what's always fueled me. And I've always done something else that wasn't me to the T to keep bills paid, provide for my family. And, uh, but I've always tried to be that person. And, you know, you fast forward eight months later and I'm actually living a hundred percent my dream, uh, from when I was younger, you know, now, and I feel like a lot of people, you know, maybe never get to that point because there's always, um, a reason why, or, uh, again, you know, once I get here or do this, or once I get to this level, then I can start doing that. I say, just be it, do it and go for it. Um, I'm not saying to quit. I'm not saying to don't provide for your family to be that, but even though I've had one iron in the fire providing for my family, I spent my whole life still being that and doing that. So I always say, do, do it, be it, whatever that is. If you have to also work somewhere else to pay your bills, by all means do it. And then maybe you'll be like me 12 years later, you know, there'll be that opening. God will align the stars and you get to step into still doing that. And actually, you know, that's what you do financially. Too. That's yeah, that's, that's great, excellent. Great I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think you, you brought up a good point and that is many people always think of going out on their own and being an entrepreneur and there is never a good time to do it. You will never have several million dollars in the bank. Your family's all secure. They're all set and then go and take risk. That's not what being an entrepreneur is. It's about, it's about having the right spouse, the right partner in life or being single or whatever it is. Right. And taking that risk. Um, I mean, I did it when I was younger and there was a lot of, there was a lot of really hard months. Like some months you're like, man, we have way more than we have way more income than we, you know, than our bills, everything's fine. And then the next month you're like, literally, how are we going to eat? And it's like, that's what it's about. And, and there's never a good time to do that. But I'm telling you the, what you just did in the last eight months is brave and it's what this country's all about. So yeah. God bless you. And that's fantastic. And I would encourage, we'll have a link um, within the body of the uh, podcast summary, but I would encourage everyone, all the listeners to, to go out and connect with Aaron on LinkedIn um, and to, to, to follow him and check him out. I mean, this, this guy's passion for what he does and what he's about is palpable. I mean, you yes, can, you can that's exactly is, right. Oh, so Aaron, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. Yeah. Uh, right Thank you so much for uh, yeah, taking time really away and uh, meeting with us and our listeners uh, will definitely uh, learn something from this. And uh, this will definitely not be our last conversation, man. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Can I share one quick thing real quick also? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you guys have brought up culture a, a few times. And one thing I wanted to kind of point out on that is um, you don't always have to be an entrepreneur to be fulfilled and to live your purpose and passion. If you're, if you're working in a job and you wish the culture was different, right? All the culture is, is the, essentially the internal brand that people see behind the curtains and your brand is what people see outside of the curtains. So if you want a different culture or you wish it was different, be you, you make, if you're, if your company, if you're part of a company that's 12 people, you're one twelfth of that culture. If you're a company that's Absolutely. got 3000 people, you're one, well, you're one three thousandth of that uh, culture. And if you live or be or choose, I want to go to work and be happy and excited. And I want it to be an energetic culture there. 
Well, guess what? You might be the only energetic one, but if by the end of the year, the thermostat, I mean, they always talk about, you know, the thermometer or thermostat, you can either walk in and be a thermometer and read the temperature and that's what it is, or you can be the thermostat. So if your culture is 72 degrees and you want it to be 78 degrees, well, you're 1% of, or one piece of that happening. So if you being you and fulfilling and living how you want to live, now don't go outside of the realms and get fired, right? But right. be a little more energetic. Yeah. Be a be, little bit be more exciting. Want to be a part of. Yeah, or, yeah. and I'm a friend guy. So I would say identify three or four people that can influence that culture and actually get them outside of work and create that culture between you and those three people at the park or bowling right, or something. Right. And, and if they enjoy it, yeah, when they come back to work, you know what? Maybe they're the ones that are setting the culture. So there's always a way to get what you want if you know what it is you want. No, that's great. Absolutely. That wisdom. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that's it. That's good, man. All right. Well, awesome. thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And have a great long holiday weekend. And uh, awesome. we, will, we will be in touch soon. Awesome. Thanks, uh, hey, absolutely. Have a great day. Thanks, Thanks man. guys. All yeah. the best. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening. 